Hello and welcome to episode 14 of My Freelance Life, a podcast from the team here at Milo.co. I'm Preston, and with me on the air, as always, is my friend Andy. Hello. How's it going, Andy? Great. It's good to be back. Awesome. Excited to have you. If you've listened to the show before, you know by now that Andy recently quit his job to start working for himself. And this show is a weekly check-in between me and Andy to see what really happens when you decide to start freelancing full time. You'll find show notes for this episode at FreelanceLifePodcast.com. Support for this episode comes from our friends at Bonsai, the number one freelance productivity suite in the world. Bonsai is a little bit like having your own virtual assistant. When your client accepts a proposal, Bonsai automatically drafts up your contract. When your client signs a contract, Bonsai auto-generates the invoices. It's super slick. You focus on the work you love most, and Bonsai handles the rest. Freelancers who use Bonsai get paid an average of 13 days faster, how would that be, and have three times fewer late payments. Put your freelancing on autopilot today by trying Bonsai at FreelanceLifePodcast.com slash Bonsai, that's B-O-N-S-A-I. First 14 days are completely free thanks to the partnership we've arranged with Bonsai, and they give us a small kickback of the sign-up fee if you decide after those 14 days to give it a try. Bonsai is seriously one of the best-kept secrets in freelancing. Those are my words, not Bonsai's. You can see for yourself at FreelanceLifePodcast.com slash Bonsai. Okay, Andy, I'm excited to jump in to today's conversation because you have been in Europe now for a while. You're finally back here in the States. Um, welcome back, first of all. Thank you. And I'm excited to talk about some of the things that happened, but I'm actually going to throw you a little bit of a curveball because before you left oh. for Europe, this crazy thing happened that um, that we we put on hold. We, we haven't talked about because we wanted to talk about it on the air. Oh, yes. And and that is that someone uh, very, I guess, maybe unexpected and uh, surprising and and awesome <laughs> emailed you um, or maybe sent you a message via Upwork to get some freelance work done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So and it's kind of funny the way it happened uh, to start off. I'm not sure off the top of my head what sorts of confidentiality agreements are in place by default through Upwork. So I'm going to play it safe and not say who this person is, but we we can, I think, hint at this person or something to help people understand like what sort of a experience this was. Is that the right call, do you think? I think, I think that's totally fair. I okay. mean, for, for the listeners, I, I was like blown away when we realized out when we realized who this was and maybe maybe in the meantime we can check the confidentiality agreements and if you know if we find out that we can talk about it we can come back and and put put that information back in this episode but in case we haven't edited that back in at this point just know that that this was i mean this was someone who you have definitely heard of working in sort of the online business space mm. and who's very influential in that space and and all of a sudden, I just remember, Andy, you sent me, I don't know if it was a text or an email uh -huh. or something, and you basically said, do you think this is really this person? <laughs> and I was just kind of like, whoa. So, so tell me what led up to that. Yeah, well, so this, this was right after we recorded our most recent episode. So if you think back to that, we had just talked about on, on the show, we talked about how I was trying to like scale back my work leading up to the trip. And right. part of that, I like cranked up my, my hourly rate and, 
And I was like, I don't know, we'll see what happens. And if somebody wants to hire me, then, you know, I'm still open to it, especially if they're going to pay that much. Like that's the thing we had just been talking about as my <laughs> forgot. rate is near double. We, we stopped recording and probably within a couple hours, I got, uh, you know, the invitation to interview on Upwork, which is a normal thing to get. But I was reading it and the name was very, very familiar. And I was like, could this be who I, this person like, yeah, like Preston was said, like it's someone you would probably know if you're uh, listening to this podcast, multiple, multiple best-selling books. And anyway, so I was kind of taken aback. Um, I've actually never read one of their books, but I have one now. I bought one so I could read it. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, I, I checked it and it shows what city the person is from on Upwork, the the client. And so I looked up this person's Wikipedia page and sure enough, that's where they lived. And so I was, I was pretty much sure at, at that point. Then later I saw what was being worked on, like the, the business it was associated with and everything. But anyway, so I, I was way excited and for one, because I just been invited to interview out of the blue with a, with a much higher hourly rate than I was used to. So I put together my, my best proposal that I could muster for the project that, that was described. And I got a reply back pretty quickly and said something like, Hey Andy, I'm impressed. Can you start on this today? And I was like, yes, I sure can. <laughs> You're like, um, and, I'm going to Europe, but uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I even ever mentioned that to him. I was like, I'm just going to bust this out and get it done really quick. Totally. It was, it was a relatively quick project, though I did end up spending way a ton of time, way more time on it than I should have, even with that hourly rate, because we eventually, in talking back and forth, we capped it at a certain point. So even though it was an hourly rate, it ended up functioning as like a fixed price gig. Oh, yep. And but I kept working and kept working partially because it was fun for me because I was doing something that I hadn't done before. And I was like foolproofing it to the max. Like sometimes there's a little bit of leeway to like, if an error happens once in a blue moon, it's no big deal. Like it's, but with this thing, I wanted it to be like so watertight that if any error happened, it would manage itself. And so anyway, I was kind of having fun designing a much more like bulletproof system and spent a lot of time. So my hourly rate, like in the end, wasn't as cool as I wanted it to be, but it was tons of fun. And I, I, I haven't heard a ton back from him, honestly, like after a while, um, they, I was able to submit it, they accepted it. And then there wasn't a whole lot of feedback. And then a while later, I just got the message. They paused the contract and said, um, Something like, yeah, this is good for now. Thank you. It was very, very Quick. concise, but it was yeah. kind of a an interesting, uh, yeah, an interesting experience and fun. And I mean, it's, I, I maybe say all this at the risk of sounding too like fanboyish. Like at the end of the day, these are just normal people that need work done. And I'm sure famous people probably get tired of being seen as like, whoa, you're someone so different and so crazy and special, <laughs> right. whatever. And, and I mean, we should treat all people the same and all, all these sort of things. But like, it was still, 
even if you're if you're looking at it from all those perspectives, like it's still something shocking to see a name so familiar pop up in your inbox trying to hire you. And so that was it was fun. Yeah, I mean, if you talk about it strictly from a business point of view, right? I I am with you on you know treating everyone with the the best care you can and providing the best quality service regardless of the name behind the project or the money behind the project or the notoriety behind the project. But strictly from a business perspective, you have to consider all of the relationships that this person has. Well, well first of all, all of the all of the project this person works on. Right. If you became mm-hmm. if you became their go to person for, you know, anything sort of spreadsheet related, anything related to like data or anything like that, if you became like the go to person, that's a lot of business. But then you'll consider also yeah. their network. And if at any point someone says, Hey, do you know anyone who could help me with you know, this problem and he points them to you and then you're I mean, just just the 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 sheer, I guess, scale of their network really is is worth the extra time and care putting into it so anyway i thought it was a really cool story we'd love to divulge who this person is um i think we've slipped a couple of times already and said he so we've ruled out i guess half the population but um (laughs) but uh if we can't divulge it later we will definitely bring it up in another show but needless to say it was a pretty cool experience i want to i want to jump in now to your trip and just really talk about um so how long were you in europe we were there uh, roughly three weeks. Okay, so three we, three full weeks. Let's see. And it was sort of more vacation yeah, style, right? You didn't do a ton of working while you were over there. Did you work at all while you were over there? Yeah, well, so the, the original plan, just to a brief recap, is that we were going to, uh, quote unquote, move to France for three months, as long as our tourist visa would allow, and do keep working on projects while we were there. But uh, we scaled it back uh, so we could get back home quicker for some things here. And so we, instead of working, since we were only going to be there for three weeks now, we decided to, like you said, treat it more like a vacation. But as we led up towards it, I still, because there were some projects that I could keep working on and because I knew that going three weeks without a paycheck was going to make coming home like the, the finances when we came home more difficult part of me was still like ah, it wouldn't be that hard to just work an hour or two at night after we come in from exploring that day yeah. but uh, i so i kind of went there with the with the thought that maybe i would work occasionally but as it turns out that that didn't happen and the reason why well I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why, but when we first got there, we flew to Paris and for some reason I really struggled finding good internet where we were at. And it, uh, later on in the trip, it was not an issue. So for some reason, just where we were, the hotel had really, really uh, low signal for their Wi-Fi, and I hadn't bought a SIM card at that point. And there was a McDonald's next door to our to our hotel and I went there <laughs> and tried to connect, but even that was pretty slow. And so I wonder if, if it had have been uh, better internet those first few days when I was like ready to go and the projects were still fresh in my mind, if I would have done an hour or two at night and then that would have become like a habit while we were there. But instead it was just really difficult. One night I did go to McDonald's and work for like 
two hours just to finish something up. But but then at that point, like that was no longer the norm. And then later when we did have good internet access, good speeds and connectivity, then I just had, uh, I, I don't know, maybe I just lost, lost that uh, momentum and was happy to just enjoy the vacation. Well, I think there's nothing wrong with that, especially if you're only going to be there for a few weeks. But um, it is, a, I think, a, an important takeaway. You know, if you're planning to travel and work, you sometimes can take for granted, you know, the the technology that you might have around you. And even thinking like in Paris, you'd think Paris is a huge city, um, very modern, obviously. And why, why, you know, why would it be so hard for you to find, um, you know, Wi-Fi that you can rely on enough to? And, and that's partially the reason why we didn't talk at all, too, while you were in Europe, because it was it's just a little bit harder to get the, the consistency in the Wi-Fi that you are used to, maybe. Yeah, and that that did surprise me though to be fair to Paris as a whole. I mean, I didn't we had we stayed in one place the whole time, one hotel for the three nights or so that we were there and it was not great. I even talked to the to the people at the front desk and they tried to help me get a better connection and it, it didn't work. And then I actually across the street from us there was this little cafe and their internet was like blazing fast. And I almost thought we could reach it from, because our window like looked over the street in that direction. And I thought we'd maybe reach it, but it didn't reach to our hotel. So, I mean, had I gone around and I, I did a bunch of searching, tried to find, uh, like a, to, uh, a close enough place that it'd be worth it to go there for a few hours to find like a little co-working space or something. And I'm sure that that's out there, but I wasn't trying to like commit a day or even a half day to working. This was something I wanted to casually do when I had an hour at the hotel or, or whatever. So I'm sure it's way easier than I'm making it seem. I just happen to have a bad setup for that. I do have to point out how hilarious it is that, um, that you're an American and you only tried going to the McDonald's to try the Wi-Fi, and you would not go to the French cafe to try, to try the Wi-Fi. No, no, no. I mean, come on, Andy. No, come no. on. No, no, no. That's, <laughs> I'm no, just kidding. I, I'm totally we did kidding. go over there. I'm totally kidding. No, I got to defend my honor now. So <laughs> I'm slandering you. We did you. go yeah. over there. For for breakfast one day, <laughs> especially as a geographer, that's my that's, that's so my true. primary identification <laughs> in life. And and so we we went over there for breakfast one day, and that's when we noticed that it was crazy fast. But it wasn't the type of place that, and I probably could have, but I didn't feel like it was the type of place that I wanted to go over and just plop open a my laptop. Whereas passing by the McDonald's as we'd come up from the metro staircase over to our like our hotel door we passed by mcdonald's and i think it even said there like on the door free yeah. wi-fi so it was like oh i may as well try this and it turned out not being great it's a little but, different admittedly. yes uh, i hope i've I sufficiently was, <laughs> defended my well i was 100 kidding uh <laughs> i just i, I, I had to look at it from a french perspective right the 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 few people that i know that live in france are uh maybe would have cracked that same joke so we apologize to and it, first of all to uh slandering france and their wi-fi <laughs> apparently it's not all bad and uh, i apologize to you andy as no, well no, no, no. Uh, obviously it was a joke but okay so you so you you aren't you you end up not working a ton while you're there. Um, tell me a little bit more about what you did do. Well, we just took it easy and, and saw lots of places and it was really nice to just, I mean, 
I'm already spoiled in the lifestyle that I have that I can wake up calmly and peacefully and not <laughs> rushing to, to get out the door. And so it was nice. It, it was even nicer still. Cause I didn't have the pressure of having to work. And I mean, this is, I'm just describing a vacation. People are familiar with this, but it was nice to just, you know, go out, find a, a little something to eat though. Traveling can be just as stressful, if not more stressful than being at home for certain aspects. Like, um, when you go out to eat somewhere, when you're home, you're familiar with the city, you're familiar with where to go, you're familiar with places you want to try or places you've been before. But every meal when you're traveling is like you have to decide from scratch until maybe you've become familiar with a couple places in the city if you want to go back to them. But it could be difficult sometimes to wander around just looking for a place that you are comfortable with having breakfast. And especially when you're on a budget because you don't necessarily want to just pop into any place you see and then find out that it's above what you'd be comfortable right, yeah. spending. So there, I mean, there's more stress in those sorts of ways, but it's, it, it's fine because you go into it understanding that's going to be there. And so it's like an acceptable thing. And it's part of the, it can be part of the fun as well. Like those, those explorations and, and whatnot. But anyway, uh, we, yeah, it was just, a, I think a fairly, typical vacation for, um, your average, like back. I don't know. We do it kind of in a backpackery way. Sometimes we would stay in hostels. So it wasn't like a, you just stay at a resort. <laughs> I'm trying to think of ways yeah. to describe this, but not be like no, offensive. No, no. There's, there's sort of very offensive ways, but it wasn't traditional, like, you know, American vacations where you stay in a resort or in a hotel and you never leave and you mostly hang out at the pool or you go see, like you maybe would have seen just the Eiffel tower and just yeah. like just the main attractions. And, um, and obviously you have a different style than that. Like you, you like to be sort of among the the people and among the culture yeah. and, you know, staying at maybe less, uh, less Americanized places and that sort of thing. So no, I, I totally get, it. I don't think it's offensive. I think it's just every, everyone's taste is a little bit different. I, I would like to know, you know, you said a couple of times it was sort of a traditional vacation. First of all, I think, I think we have to acknowledge that your new lifestyle afforded you to take a three week vacation. I mean, technically the company we worked at that yeah, the startup definitely. we worked at together, technically you could have taken a three week vacation there as well. They had sort of unlimited PTO, but, um, but there is sort of this stigma around taking that much time off, regardless of whether you have unlimited PTO or not, at least in my experience. Um, and, and so I think your new lifestyle definitely afforded you the ability to take three weeks off. So that's a big deal. I, I was, I am curious. Um, did you, so I think another sort of common, uh, experience with vacation when you're working a desk job is often, if you're not careful, you can be worrying about like what's, what's piling up at home. Were, were you worried uh, at all yes. about that? And, and then, and then sorry, my, my other question too is, were you worried about on the other end, like not having work when you got back or, or like because you weren't working while you were on vacation and your company, which is just you, wasn't like paying you to take time off. Were you worried about what finances and business would look like when you came home? Uh, well, for the first question, I did, I did still worry about it. I don't know if it would have been comparable to 
previous jobs I've had or, or similar jobs that other people have. But I did worry about it because as much as I tried to get things finalized before I went, there were still some uh, pending items to be added to the projects that I had that were live. So I was able to finish some things, get other things to at least a stopping point, but I was still anxious to get back and get going on them because when I had originally started off on these projects, like this three week gap in the middle was not part of the plan. It was more like, like I said, it was going to be moving there and a, and a small hiccup in, in work. And so I mean, there, I was definitely, I, I was lucky or I am lucky cause it's still, you know, part of it, but I'm lucky to be working right now with some clients who are super chill and uh, I'm lucky that there weren't these really intense deadlines associated with them because that would have, that would have been totally different. And, um, but yeah, they, there's some, some great clients and I was able to have that sort of flexibility to leave and, and put a, a, a pause on those projects. And right now, now being back, um, I picked those up again and starting to get back into it. And, and I think all around everyone's, everyone's happy and it's worked out fine. So I think for one, it's, it's thanks to this lifestyle, like you said, that it allowed me to go for three weeks, but it's also partially just being lucky, having some awesome clients that were flexible at this time as well. It's a good lesson in, this principle of, of not building another job for yourself, which I think, you know, if you've read, I don't know, Andy, if you've read this book or if the audience, uh, if, if the listeners have read this book, but it's called the E-Myth Revisited. It's a pretty popular business book. It talks Uh, about, yeah, you should read it. It's really fantastic, particularly for service providers. And maybe I've mentioned it here on the show before, but, um, I read it early on as I was, you know, doing freelancing on the side and that sort of thing. And it talks about building yourself a business that sort of works for you instead of a job that you have to work for. And uh, it's really, really good stuff. But uh, but I think it all comes back to, or, or I should say, this idea of you being able to take three weeks off sort of supports the idea, the idea of building a business instead of building a job. And now you've gotten a little taste of it if you which I'm sure in the future you'll want to or maybe you already have plans to if you wanted to do that that same idea that you had originally where you live somewhere for 3 or 6 or 12 months um you're on the right track to build a business that, you know, doesn't rely on you being here in the United States 40 hours a week or 60 hours a week or whatever. So I, I think we really just have to, I guess all that to say, we really have to just celebrate the flexibility that comes with this freelance lifestyle that you're building. Yeah. Here, here. I, I think about it. Even now that I'm back, I, I enjoy so much every day being able to, I mean, I, I'm not necessarily conscious of it every day, but I have been surprised at how often like it's, it's obvious to me how awesome I have it. Like I'm, I'm super grateful and I notice it during the day when I can just like casually mosey about, I don't feel nearly as like stressed. And sometimes it's, I didn't even have a stressful job before, but I think it was that I could sometimes get more stressed about life because I don't know, just maybe it's because there's little time left to get other things done. Yeah. Uh, these are, these are, I don't know if these are like, we're just restating the same things we always do, but maybe it's for, for good reason that 
it's it's a sweet setup and whether it means leaving to go to Europe for for three weeks and putting a pause on work or whether it means now I'm back home and I can like I said before wake up peacefully I can go hang out in town and work from from wherever and then go you know visit my family in the middle of the day if something's you know going on that would be fun to go see like my mom retired last week oh nice uh she was a professor well she she taught from elementary junior high and then when she she went her got her master's and then she started teaching at university then she got her phd when she was in her 50s and so she could keep teaching at the university and she just now retired and it was awesome because i was able to go one day in the middle of the day and go to her retirement parties and i didn't feel like I had to ask anyone if I could go. I just right. went and worked whenever I could on the days before and after that. So yeah, another another example, another anecdote to say that I'm a hundred percent sold on this this path I've chosen. Yeah, I agree. I agree one hundred percent with you, Andy. I've had the same experience. I, I maybe I've I've probably shared this on this show. I know I've shared it on other shows. But I need to come up with a name for this. It's maybe like the haircut principle or something like I used to, I don't know why, but I used to get so mad when I was at a desk job because the only time I could get a haircut was either in the evenings, which I, which I dedicate to my family even now. So that was kind of off the table for the most part or on a Saturday. And, and on a Saturday, if you've Mm. ever been to a, a hair salon on a Saturday, it's like, a four hour wait <laughs> to get your haircut just to, like a, for a 15 minute haircut. And so it always really bothered me that um, I felt like I couldn't go get a haircut. And now, you know, obviously sometimes I did, yeah. I just went on my lunch break or something, but for the most part, like it felt like I couldn't. And I know a haircut is a small thing, but to me it sort of represents this bigger idea of like, yeah, can I, can I go to my daughter's preschool uh, program play thing that they're planning. Do I have to ask for time off? Do I have to? Do I have to plan it with my coworkers to make sure nothing urgent is going to be happening? No, I just yeah, go. Yeah. I just go, and it's it's really really incredible. So I agree with you one hundred percent. You did have another question that I didn't answer. Uh, that being away did that make me worried about finances when we came home? And yes, definitely. Um, it was hard being there, spending lots of money. And knowing that I wasn't getting a paycheck each week. So yes, there was definitely financial worry. And it still carries on after the fact. Now, being home, now there's the pressure to not only make the normal weekly amounts, but also to to help like... Um, make up for time lost. Yeah, make up for time lost. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I mean, in fairness, we have <laughs> discussed this off the air that sometimes we maybe paint almost too rosy of a picture that there... I mean, there are uh-huh. considerations, right? There are uh, things that are more difficult like not getting paid even when you take time off. But again, you can come back to building a business that still generates revenue even when you're on vacation. To me, that's sort of the dream, right? You can you can actually take three yeah. weeks off and you still make as much money or close to as much money as you might have made otherwise if you can put systems into place. And, and that's, I guess, something I keep kicking, you know, kicking a dead horse, I guess, on this show. But I, I think it, it'll be fun to watch as that progresses over time between, you know, both of us, both of our businesses and, and how we can how we can build that into our business. I, I'd like to yeah. I'd like to if we can, we have, you know, maybe maybe five minutes left or so. I'd love to just really dive into maybe some of the favorite things that you did while you were 
overseas. T- tell me some of the places that you went. You started in Paris, but I know you were going to go some other places. Tell me some of the favorite things that you saw. I mean, we're going to look, if you're only tuning into this show for the business stuff, you can maybe turn off the show at this point. We're just going to talk for a minute about maybe some of the fun things that you went and saw. Is that okay? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Yeah. So we flew into, into Paris cause we already had our, our flights there when we ticket for what was intended to be our move. And we opted to not stay in France because we knew that we we still wanted to come back and have a chance to live in France for more than, or to stay in France for more than, you know, a week or two. And so since we're going to be going back there anyway, we figured we'll take these three weeks and go see somewhere that we were, would not have otherwise seen. Cool. And, and so we went to, we considered a bunch and we kind of picked literally like a couple days before we left what we were going to do. But we flew into Paris, stayed there for a few days. Uh, I think, like I said, three nights, so maybe four days. Then we flew down to Barcelona and Barcelona was really cool. We went to, uh, I didn't know a whole lot about it, to be honest. Uh, We went to, what's the name of the place? Casa Bayo. I believe is is the name of it. It was a house built by um, Gaudi, a famous oh, architect yeah. from the city. And it was so beautiful. And the way they had it laid out, like different places that are um, museums or things of that nature, there's there's a wide spectrum of how how the um, how the experience has been designed. And this one was really fun to go through. You get your audio guide, which is, is like a major part of it. And as you go around, it described pieces of the house and why they were built the way they were. And it could sound like stuffy just describing it the way I am now, but it really was fascinating to see the way it was designed. So I absolutely loved that and would highly recommend that. Unfortunately, the, like the most, perhaps for some people, the most obvious thing that you would see in Barcelona would be Gaudi's um, what some may call a seminal work, which is the Sagrada Familia Cathedral, right, yeah. which is still being constructed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it, he's he's gone now, so it's being carried on by other people. But it's it's a fascinating thing to think of the cathedrals being built over centuries of time. Like when we saw um, Notre Dame in, per- in Paris, and to think that these took hundreds of years to build. And there's one that's currently being built in our lifetime that's still taking that sort of a a timeline to complete. But the unfortunate part is we didn't go inside it. And because we just assumed that we could get a ticket that day. And sometimes we fly by the seat of our pants and it, it doesn't work that way for that one. And we waited till the last day and we're like, Oh, we'll go here on this day. And we went to sign in to get the tickets on on their website they were sold out and we had to leave the next morning so we walked around the outside but then we talked to to my brother and, and sister-in-law and we talked to um my wife's brother who they had all been in barcelona not together but they'd been here previously and they said that it was like one of the best things ever my brother who's traveled a lot said it's his favorite building in the world and he was like <laughs> so sad we didn't get to see it oh, and, no. and and i had no idea it was going to be i mean it was amazing and very impressive from right. the outside so 
Yeah, my sister. Anyway, my sister lesson. just got back Write from uh, a tour in uh, in Europe. You know, she visited a few of the places that oh. you have visited as well. And she, I hate to just rub dirt in the wounds even more, but she maybe I think she said that was oh, maybe no. her favorite thing. I mean, amid all of the famous things that she saw, you know, the Colosseum, the Eiffel Tower. I mean, she saw all of these things, <laughs> and I think she said the Sagrada Familia was was her favorite, uh, at least architecturally favorite thing that she saw. Well, so write this down, everybody, that <laughs> it's nice to fly by the seat of your pants. It offers flexibility, but it just check a few days in advance, at least for certain things. That's all. You I know, my, my wife and I make a good pair uh, in terms of traveling because she is very much plan ahead and get everything squared away. And I'm a little bit more fly by the seat of my pants. And so we try to combine the two. I think there. I think, That's in my good. opinion, a good vacation has the combination of the two, so that you can see what you want to see, but you're also not restricted, you know, by by a schedule or a timeline or anything like that. So, awesome, excellent. What what else? I mean, what else did you do? What what else do you want to share? Yeah, I yeah, I've, I'm getting carried away on some of these things. Let's oh, see. So after Barcelona, we went to Madrid, and from Madrid, we took a side trip to Toledo which is this awesome little old town. Uh, really, so for context, Toledo is well known or it, it's known for sword making. That's what it did historically. And the, the fun part, uh, fictional context, but context nonetheless, is Toledo is the city well, it's just outside Toledo that Inigo Montoya's father was I from. See. And Inigo Montoya. Yeah. So from the Princess Bride, Inigo Montoya's father is a sword maker and he lived just outside of Toledo. So it's this beautiful old town that's kind of up on a hill and there are these tiny narrow streets. And we happen to be there in the week leading up to Easter, which the whole week... Um, the, it's the, the Holy week and their celebrations probably like this in, well, in fact, I know that it's like this in other places in Spain and I'm sure several other countries as well, but in Spain where we were, there were these processions that would happen at night where they'd carry these big floats. People would be dressed in robes and they'd carry these floats through the city. And it was like, sometimes at midnight or later and people would just line the streets and walk them go watch them go by and they'd play music and it was really cool to see especially in that city of all places so then we went back to madrid and flew to porto in the north of portugal and i have a friend who lives there and so we hung out with him while we were there and and it was just a, a beautiful little town on the on the well, it's on the ocean, but also there's a river going through it. And it's, it's, I think it's recently been one of those, like one of the main things you should see this year from Lonely Planet or whatever. As I understand it from my friend, it used to not be quite so busy. And now it's really gotten quite a bit more crowded with tourists and stuff. Well, crowded is a, is a misleading term because it doesn't feel like you're in Paris or anything. But anyway, it's a, it's a beautiful town uh, or city. And then we went down to um, Lisbon in Portugal and stayed there for a few days. And then we flew from Lisbon to the an island in the Azores or the Azores. And it's 
a group of islands kind of in the middle of the Atlantic. It's actually only a four-hour flight from Boston. So if you live in Boston, you can get flights directly there, and I highly, highly recommend it. But it was like I thought of it, it felt like a, oh, it's part of Portugal. Um, So we flew there. It's part of Portugal, but it's these islands, and it felt like a mix between Switzerland and Panama. Oh, wow. That's how I felt like it, it was such a strange thing because it's very agricultural or agrarian and it's um, there, it's really green and there are these fields just like a patchwork quilt, like the land. It, there were just so many fields split up by these stone walls and cows everywhere. That part felt like Switzerland, but then it was very green and mossy and ferns and palm trees in places. And so it felt very tropical. And I, I picked Switzerland and Panama because those are places I've been before. And it felt to me like a, a mashup of the two. It sounds, but sounds it was, beautiful. It was a beautiful little place. Um, we rented a scooter. We had an Airbnb for like five days and we just hung out and rode the scooter around the island and saw things. We would go to the grocery store and just made food at our, at our place. Oh, and best. it was a nice way to just kind of relax and and finish off the trip that way that's awesome i think one of the favorite one of my favorite trips was visiting there's a small island in mexico called cozumel and we yeah we kind of did the same thing we just rented a scooter and you can you can like you can circle the whole island on a scooter you know going maybe 50 or 60 miles an hour in you know maybe an hour or two i don't know someone probably knows the exact times a little bit better but i just remember it's this tiny little island gorgeous and yeah just renting a scooter and just just riding and oh it was it was beautiful so i i may i may put that on my list that sounds really really fantastic yeah it it was it i i would recommend it to to everyone it was such a interesting place to be it's volcanic island chain and so there's still like hot springs you can go to and these lakes that are are like the former or like the caldera of the volcano so it's just the mountains go up and then at the top there's like this big hole and a lake there and it's actually quite big the island i don't know off the top of my head how long it is but we would drive it would probably take on a scooter a couple hours just to drive halfway down the length of it so it it was still pretty large and and several cities on there, but definitely had like a a small town feel to it as well in a lot of places. But yes, definitely check that out if you're if you like going to see yeah. Yeah, different absolutely. places. I'm I'm gonna definitely put that on my list. Well, awesome. Uh, was that was that sort of the tail end of the trip then? Um, or was there lots more? <laughs> yes. No that 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 was the last place we went, and then we had. I mean, I could. Uh, as you can probably tell, I could talk about this for a long time, but the the trip home was fairly long with layovers and all that. We could talk an episode about the experiences and things we learned on the on the flights home. But yeah, that that's the that's the gist my experience of it. is the flight home always sucks out any positive you know zen <laughs> feeling that you may have acquired on your vacation. It just basically ruins everything. <laughs> so. Well, I'll just say one one thing that we learned, and I feel like we should have known this, but didn't act on it, is that it just we had an overnight in an airport, and there were hotels just down the road, and instead we opted for like this twelve to fourteen hour layover in the airport overnight. It 
definitely would have been worth uh, just like a cheap yeah. hotel yeah. for the night to save us some misery. But I mean, it was still a great time and I don't regret yeah. the trip. Yeah, the trip was cool. Well, I'm glad you had fun, man. I'm really excited that you're back. We, we need to go get lunch or something sometime. Um, and, 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 and I'd love to share pictures. If you're, if you're up for sharing some pictures with, of your trip with the listeners, maybe oh, we yeah. can post those on the website, um, freelancelifepodcast.com. Be sure to check that and you can see some pictures. Is that okay, Andy? If we, if we post a few of those. Yeah. Well, and I can even, my wife does a great job of sharing things along the way. We have an Instagram account for our, just to share like our, our, our shared travels. So if people want, they can go there. It's the colorful map Perfect. is the name of the account. And I can, you, obviously we can link that in the show notes and you can scroll through that and some of our previous travels as well. I love it. That's perfect. All right, man. Well, let's wrap this one up and, um, and we will talk again next week. We can dive back into, you know, how, how things are going with your clients and, uh, how, how things are progressing. I do as a little teaser, I do want to mention, I saw on Facebook today that you are in the process of trying to decide what to name your business to sort of establish it a little bit more oh, as yes. a brand. So I think that'll be interesting to talk about. So there's a little teaser. Maybe we can, uh, you know, talk about that next time or maybe in a couple episodes, depending on when that actually happens. But um, I think there's some exciting stuff to talk about. We've got lots of uh, just building a business and freelancing and all of that sort of thing ahead of us now that you're back in the United States. And um, I'm excited to really get into it. So thanks so much for chatting today and we'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you. See ya. See ya. Uh, as a reminder, uh, show notes for this episode can be found at freelancelifepodcast.com. Once more, this episode was sponsored by our friends at Bonsai. Thank you, Bonsai, for supporting freelancers everywhere and for supporting this show. You can put your freelancing on autopilot and give Bonsai a try for free at freelancelifepodcast.com slash Bonsai. That's B-O-N-S-A-I. Your first 14 days are completely free, and it's seriously one of the best kept secrets in freelancing. See for yourself at freelancelifepodcast.com slash Bonsai. This show was edited by Danny Gilman at echopodmedia.com. And the theme music for this show is a song by Joaquin Carude called Road Trip. Uh, My Freelance Life is a production of Milo.co. You can learn more about us and listen to our other podcasts too at millo.co. We will talk to you next time on episode 15 of My Freelance Life. We'll see you.